Hi, Emma. Welcome to the PRSB podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Lizzie. Um, So I'm Emma Robertson um, and I am a stage four cancer patient. I was diagnosed with primary breast cancer in 2013 and I've pretty much been on cancer treatment since then. So that's seven years of being a patient in the NHS and that is why I am doing everything that I can to just be involved to make patienthood better <laughs> for anybody and everybody else. Yeah, make the systems and so on better for everybody yeah, else. Absolutely. So we know that apps and patient portals are growing in popularity. Um, they're helping people to manage appointments, track symptoms, look at things like blood sugar. Um, we've also got a huge rise in people using other health apps like fitness trackers um, across the board, really. What do you think the benefits of these apps are? Well, for me, I think it's really very much about control. When you are diagnosed with a health problem or, or condition, you lose control over all sorts of other other aspects of your life um, not just your health um, so I think it's really important to be able to um, to find ways of, of taking some control back um, and one way that people might do that is by um, just recording information about themselves so doing things like tracking what they're eating tracking how much exercise they're doing that arms them with information that they can take to their healthcare providers to help their GPs, doctors, oncologists, nurses, whoever they're seeing to do a better job. I think a lot of people in the UK understand that there's a high demand for the service um, and that it's not supported by the resources that we would like to see. So um, one way that I think people feel like they can help is by tracking their own information and I guess from a perspective of, of well patients as well um, it might be easier if they can manage appointments and things like that mm-hmm. especially if they're busy with work and all the other commitments that you have in a day-to-day life yeah um, sometimes a face-to-face appointment is just not not needed yeah absolutely And do you think as well there's a sort of possibility that these apps and trackers could be used to support better diagnosis and screenings and so on in future Absolutely. I mean, I come from the perspective of a cancer patient and I'm quite young to be a cancer patient. So I'm involved in that kind of community of cancer patients who, who many of whom would have struggled to get a diagnosis in the first place because they weren't seen to be high risk. Um, and for those people uh, going repeatedly to see health professionals um, and, and trying to find out exactly what was wrong with them, um, it would have really helped to be armed with more um, data, more information. You know, it's really, it's a persuasive argument to have somebody do further investigation if you have, you know, a month-long diary of, you know, what you've eaten, how much exercise you've done, when you've experienced pain and why, what kind of pain, you know, toilet habits and all of those kinds of bits of information it helps yeah absolutely but though I suppose at the same time as all these new benefits it's going to come with challenges as well what do you think some of these might be from a patient perspective I do think there's a danger isn't there of losing face-to-face contact um and actually like human beings are social creatures aren't we you know we really enjoy um each other's company and I think that can be um, you know, there's a definitely a danger that 
that that will be lost and I think particularly living in like a really busy city like London um I quite often sort of just have fleeting visits with my um with my nurse or my GP that means that they don't necessarily understand how I'm really feeling I might have put like a brave face on they don't necessarily have in have all the information about my life that they might need to support me in the best way you know it's it's important that we do leave time and space and ensure that we're understood as holistic beings and and not just pieces of information yeah absolutely and I think your point about sort of face-to-face contact seems to be especially true um, for older people we know there's a big epidemic of loneliness and I don't know what your thoughts are on that in terms of how app culture will will impact that I think um it can be really difficult can't it to have quality time um, in your day actually speaking to other people I mean you go to the supermarket and the checkouts are all self-service <laughs> um, the bus conductors don't accept cash and give change anymore all of our daily contacts with other people have been um, have been shortened and <laughs> and and made more efficient um, and if that's happening to um, people who are um, older and living alone um I can quite see that you know that's going to be problematic for their um you know mental health and well-being yeah exactly do you think there's any challenges around privacy and security when it comes to apps and patient portals and so on of course (laughs) um definitely I you know all of these um technologies do collect information um and information is is a resource it's valuable it has value attached to it um so i feel i feel really strongly actually that um that that value um if it if there is profit that comes from that that value that it is plowed back into the services um, that the people who have provided that data actually need in their in their lives to you know to help them with their day to day. So I guess you know I, I feel quite strongly that um, that 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 information shouldn't have um, shouldn't have its value extracted for um, shareholders and and private. Um, organizations but then also um you know privacy is a is a big issue and personally I don't I don't really feel um you know strongly attached to um my own privacy I don't feel like I need to have a tight rein on um my own pieces of bits of data I'm quite happy to kind of you know, log into an app and attach it to my Gmail and Facebook and all the rest of it. And I know that those are big no-nos, really. (laughs) Um, And I also know that some people are really feel very um, opposite to that, that some people are, you know, feel really strongly that they want to have a tight grip on every little bit of piece of information that they put out into the world and we really need to make sure that those people um are looked after and made to feel safe and secure in the use of of um apps and and any kind of healthcare technologies that that come about 
How do you think we can ensure that these apps and patient portals are inclusive? I think to start to start that that conversation, um, I would probably say that um, we need to acknowledge and be aware that apps and technologies are just not suitable for everybody. Um, so they can't be um, relied upon for every patient to um, to use. I worked in a, in a nursery for a short period of time um, and one of the things that you quickly learn about teaching is that every individual in your classroom will learn in a different way. Um, if you don't tailor your teaching to meet all of those needs, that is your fault. It's not the fault of the student who is learning. Um, you need to be aware of teaching in lots of different ways so that everybody in the classroom can benefit from um, from from the knowledge that you're trying to share and I feel the same in you know with with healthcare and um, it there needs to be a more um, holistic way of engaging that enables people who don't feel comfortable with using apps you know things like you know fat finger syndrome where you know on a phone where where you're uh, you can't quite sort of see what's going on on that small screen or you might not be able to kind of hit the right kind of button at the right time or with the right pressure um and and also just there's you know some people just find technology really hard um, our brains don't all work in the same way, do they? So, Do you think there's more, though, that services could be doing to make patients aware about um, patient portals and where they can go to use information, where they can find apps, regardless of the size of their fingers? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I actually, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing a lot about patient portals recently. Um, I've never been directed to one. So if there, if my GP surgery has a patient portal I don't know about it um and this is I mean this is a an issue for sort of data collection as a whole isn't it really I mean how how often are patients actually asked to to check their data and to verify the information that's being held about them um uh, and that that information is crucial to the future of treatment for future patients and it's also really crucial and and uh, you know a wealth of information that will support research so um i think you know we're losing out there really aren't we yeah, and I mean, it's not just about apps and um, other types of technology as well. We've also seen a rise in uh, the use of artificial technology. Um, it's becoming increasingly sophisticated. What do you think uh, this might mean for technology and healthcare in the future? I hope. <laughs> I hope that it means that things will be much more joined up. Um, you know, I, I hope that it means that, you know, that, that you'll be able to go into a hospital wherever you are in the country and that they will have the same records for you um, and your healthcare and um, whether you're on any medications or whether you've had any previous surgeries um, or interventions, um, just as, you know, your local um, hospital, you know, that they should have the same data as your local hospital or your, or wherever it was that you received that previous treatment um, and previous care um, and the fact that 
that isn't happening at the moment really is, uh, you know, it's a failure for patients. It's not just about apps in healthcare. Artificial intelligence is getting increasingly sophisticated. What do you think this might mean for technology in healthcare? I think it will mean that um, appointments will be much more efficient. Um, We should have um, better and swifter diagnoses. Um, There will be, you know, more precision medicines, so tailored doses of of medicines, for example, um, more personalised treatments um, and better healthcare for everybody, really. But do you think this might come with downsides as well? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've, I think computers only learn from from human beings. So there's huge potential for error to be massively scaled up. Um, but having standards in place should, you know, mean that that isn't something that we have to worry quite so much about. Yeah, it certainly makes it safer if you know the information has been standardised before it's inputted into any systems. It's about checks and balances, isn't it? It's about you know, making sure that if there is an error, it's traceable and swiftly resolvable um, just to min- minimise damage. I mean, this is people's health care that we're talking, you know, this is people's health that we're talking about. So um, it's really important that where there are mistakes made, that they are, um, that that people are made aware of them and quickly, you know, and, and that... Learn from them. Exactly. And... Um, with all of these technologies, what do you think, from a patient's perspective, makes you trust them? Um, I do trust um, what my healthcare professionals um, suggest and recommend. Um, also, um, having um, a stamp, like a kite mark, you know, to say that something has been recommended for, you know, for this purpose by the PRSB for example that's that's a really helpful NHS yes just knowing that something has been properly um, vetted vetted exactly yeah yeah. okay fantastic well thank you so much for coming on our podcast today Emma great thanks for having me Lizzie